Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Herbert Smith Freehills APAC Competition Law Podcast, Unbundling Competition, where we discuss the latest competition developments in the APAC region and beyond. My name is Howard Chan, and I'm a senior associate in the competition team at Herbert Smith Freehills based in Hong Kong. With me today are Francis Xu, a partner from the competition team of our joint legal operation, Herbert Smith Freehills Coway, based in Shanghai, and Hazel Xu, an associate in her team. It's been a while since we have recorded a podcast, so today we would like to do a brief roundup of the many competition law related developments from China over the past six to 12 months. Hi, Howard, and hello to our listeners. It's great to be back. I think the first thing to talk about is the amendment of the anti-monopoly law in China, which came into effect on the 1st of August last year. This is the first major legislative update of China's competition law since its initial introduction in 2008, and highlights several changes in China's competition regime. I think they are one of the main highlights of these changes is the significantly increased penalties against the infringements of the anti-monopoly law, both for the substantive behavior rules and also for the merger control rules. Hedo, could you please walk us through those of the uh, key changes? Sure, Francis, and hello to our listeners. In relation to penalties for breach of the behavioral rules, there are two main changes. Firstly, under the old law, the maximum fine imposed was kept at 10% of the relevant undertakings turnover in the relevant financial year. However, under the change, the law now states that penalties in serious cases may be multiplied by two to five times. While least we have not seen this power exercised in practice. In, pro- in principle, this means that the maximum fine may be above 10% of the undertaking's turnover. The, secondly, the amended AML now attaches personal liability to management-level personnel involved in monopoly agreements. The company's legal representative, executive, and other employees personally involved in a monopoly agreement are now subject to a fine of up to 1 million renminbi. We we expect this change to have a big impact on how businesses see compliance with the AML. In relation to penalties for breaches of the merger control requirement, there is now a two-tailed penalty under the law for technical breaches of the rules which do not give rise to any anti-competitive effect on the market, the maximum fine has been increased from 500,000 to 5 million renminbi. For breaches involving concentrations that have the actual or potential effect of excluding or restricting competition, the maximum fine has been further increased to 10% of the company's turnover in the previous year similar to the behavioral penalty. Thank you both. And I believe these were not the only changes that we saw in China in the past year. No, in addition to the changes to the law, SEMA also launched consultation drafts in relation to six new regulations covering nearly all aspects of the law for anti-competitive agreements, abuse of dominance to merger control. Among them, Summer has published final versions of the five draft regulations. These five regulations clarified approach to merger control, mirror AML amendments on monopoly agreement, and showed changes on bills of dominance, 
including abuse of IP rights. Hey, though, could you give us some examples in detail? No problem. In terms of the regulations about monopoly agreements, the final version clarifies that a safe harbor will be introduced for vertical restraints, but the specific market share threshold for this safe harbor remains unspecified. This is expected to be prescribed in separate rules or guidelines and will likely be industry specific. For instance, under the existing antitrust guidelines for automotive industry, there is a general 30% safe harbor applicable to vertical restraints and 20% safe harbor for horizontal agreements. The existing antitrust guidelines for IP also includes a 30% safe harbor for vertical restraints. Further, the final version of the regulations addresses facilitators in cartels or the hub in hub and spoke cartels and clarifies that they may also be penalized for organizing or providing substantial contributions to the cartels between the competitors or the spokes. Specifically, the regulations state that facilitators may be penalized for first playing a decisive or leading role in determining the scope, terms, and conditions of the monopoly agreements, or two, entering into agreements with competing undertakings, respectively, and acting as a channel for the competitors' exchange of competitively sensitive information and entering into monopoly agreements, and three, providing essential support or practical conveniences for others' monopoly agreements. The final version of the regulations about abuse of dominance focuses on platform economy, providing more guidance and clarity on the types of conduct that may be viewed as abusive. Thanks, Hazel. And what are some of the key highlights in relation to merger control? The final version of the merger control review regulations provide more detailed definition of control. Uh, the assessments requires an announced consideration of multiple factors, such as the deal, rationale, targets, shareholding structure, composition and voting of shareholders meeting, decision-making on management bodies, competition and appointment of senior management. In practice, the summer maintains discretion to determine the control status. Moreover, it also lists actions that can amount to ground jumping, including appointment of senior management, actual participation in business decision-making and day-to-day -day management, exchange of uh, sensitive information and substantial integration. However, a lot of the key changes remain in draft regulation, which are published for public consultation and so have not yet come into effect. One of the main changes introduced by these draft regulations is a very substantial increase of jurisdictional murder notification thresholds. In particular, the Chinese domestic turnover threshold will be doubled from 400 million to 800 million RMB. This will substantially reduce the number of transactions that will trigger a filing obligation in China, which will be a welcome news for many businesses.
However, the draft regulation also introduced a new situation where filing is required. This is when, first, one party's turnover in China exceeds 100 billion RMB, and two, another relevant party has a market value greater than 800 million RMB and generated more than one third of its global turnover within China. This new threshold serves two purposes. This new set of thresholds will capture acquisitions of target companies with a substantial market position, but which may not meet the turnover thresholds, and reflects similar new thresholds introduced in other jurisdictions around the world. While the amended AML has significantly increased the maximum fine for failure to fine, as Halo has mentioned, the draft regulations introduced new mitigating and aggravating factors for considerations when deciding the level of fines to be imposed. These factors include circumstances that may reduce the impact of infringement. This is expected to include situations where a party's in breach has proactively reported its failure to notify its murder and may incentivize parties to come forward in the event of a failure to file. Thanks, Francis. So when do you think the new filing thresholds will be finalized? According to the 2023 Legislative Work Plan released by the State Council on June 6, the revised merger filing thresholds are expected to be reviewed within this year. Thanks, Hazel. So we'll keep a watch on this space. Moving on from the changes to the rules and regulations, let's briefly talk about some of the enforcement highlights from SAMR. Has SAMR been very active during the past six to 12 months? Yeah, SAMR has been extremely active. In 2022, SAMR and other agencies that enforce uh, the anti-monopoly law opened 149 investigations and issued fines in 25 cases. This includes 11 cases involving horizontal agreements, 5 involving vertical agreements, and 10 involving abuse of dominance. There are few interesting things to note about these cases. The first is that some imposed a very significant fine a Chinese state-owned enterprise for the first time this year. Well, list there have been fines imposed on Chinese SOEs in the past. These have usually been for smaller amounts. However, in 2022, summer imposed a very significant fine on CNKI, a state-funded academic database platform CNKI operates a digital platform where users can search for and purchase academic journal articles and other publications. In this case, some have found that CNKI was dominant with over 50% of the market share and that CNKI has imposed exclusivity obligations on its suppliers the academic journals and other academic institutions. Some ultimately find CNKI over 
87 million RMB for this conduct. There is another noteworthy case. Is the fine imposed by summer in relation to resale price maintenance or IPM in franchising agreements. In this case, the Beijing AMR find Carry Alliance for imposing RPM on its distribution channels. Carry Alliance is the franchiser of the CSM Street English Educational Materials in China. This is the first case in which RPM has been penalized in a franchising arrangement in China and clarifies the view that franchisees should also be left free to determine its own pricing. Thanks. Another hot topic around the world is the antitrust scrutiny of the digital sector. Are there any noteworthy developments in this space from China? Yeah, there are now a number of uh, provisions in the AML and also in the various guidelines which apply to operators of digital platforms and they really show the attitudes of SAMA towards regulating the behavior of digital platforms. Additionally, the Competition Enforcement Authority still focus on enforcement in industries profoundly affecting people's daily life, such as pharmaceutical, public utility, construction materials, etc., etc. This trend has also been verified by the penalties published by SAMA and the Provincial Administration for Market Regulation this year. Uh, examples include the penalties against uh, Tianjin Kenyao for no monopoly agreement, Grand Pharmaceutical for monopoly product, Beijing Zizhu for RPM, Northeast Pharmaceutical for abuse of dominance, and Tianjin Jingyao for abuse of dominance. Hey, though, is there any update from the litigation perspective? There is one interesting case I would like to share about. Last month, the Supreme People's Court reversed a lower court's judgment that awarded the plaintiff damage of 68 million RMB. It's Yangtze River Pharmaceutical Group versus Hefei Industry Pharmaceutical Institute, or HIPI. This case involves an active pharmaceutical ingredient, or API, called DCD, which is used in antihistamines. In this case, Yangzi claims that HIPI abused its dominance by maintaining unfairly high prices, along with other conduct in relation to the DCD API. The lower court ruled against HIPI and ordered HIPI to pay damages. However, HIPI appealed the decision all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court first agreed with the lower court's market definition to be limited to the DCD API with reference to Summer's anti-monopoly guidelines for API products, and also acknowledged that HIPI held a 100% market share in the market for DCD API. However, the Supreme Court then took the view that the DCD API also faced indirect competition from other antihistamine products and therefore found that HIPI may not in fact have dominant market power. Based on the nature of the product and the market, the Supreme Court actually found that 
Yangtze was a much more substantial organization and therefore had a comparative bargaining advantage over HIPI. The Supreme Court therefore overturned the lower court's judgment and held that HIPI's price increases were not abusive. This is an interesting case that shows establishing dominance is a complex exercise, and the analysis should not focus solely on market shares. Even where a supplier may have 100% market share of a particular market, if there are strong factors showing that they do not have significant market power, they may still be found not to be dominant. Thank you, Hazel, for that interesting summary. And thank you both for all of those really interesting updates. I think that's all we have time for today. So thank you again to those that have tuned in. We hope you found that interesting and useful. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do check out other installments of the Herbert Smith Freehills APAC Competition Law Podcast Unbundling Competition. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or queries, please do not hesitate to contact us. Thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and visit our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com, for more insights relevant to your business.